0: Today we are going to have kind of one of those standalone messages. Uh, usually when I preach, I preach in a series of messages. And today, since it's Family Sunday and we have a lot of our Elevate students in here with us, I thought it would be a good time to, to talk about one of my favorite stories in the Bible. In Mark, the second chapter, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, uh, we have a, an almost comical uh, story, certainly as you picture uh, this playing out, this narrative, it is, it, it is somewhat comical. But the meaning is very deep. And uh, for different ones of us today, we may plug ourselves into the role of different characters in the story. But I think all of us will get something out of it. By this point in Jesus' ministry, uh, he has become very famous. This is the wrap-up, the end of his first tour uh, through, the, through Galilee. And at this point, uh, the religious leaders are more than threatened by his popularity. Word had spread that he was back in town and that he was staying in a particular home. Some believe that it was probably the home of Peter and his brother Andrew, and I believe it probably uh, very well could have been. Um, This particular home is mentioned Peter and Andrew's home is mentioned in chapter one So it would kind of make sense that as they return back from their tour This would be where they would kind of debrief and settle if you've ever been on a mission trip uh, A highlight one of the things that I think creates personal life change That jesus uses to create this life change is that debriefing to celebrate what were the highs? What were the lows? What did you learn? What did you struggle with? What did you not have enough? to pull off that God saw you through? When did he give you energy that you knew was beyond your own, your own energy, your own uh, caffeine intake? Uh, what, what doors did he open to the spread of the gospel? What hearts did he prepare when maybe you were really nervous about pre- preaching the gospel or teaching, and suddenly it just, it just took on a life, and nothing could go wrong, and it seemed like everything you did was, was perfect. We all have those experiences when we're doing the work of the Lord. And certainly for Jesus, as he's going through uh, Galilee and he's teaching and he's preaching and he's healing the sick and and the crowds are forming, there was a lot of debriefing to do. So back in town now, uh, word spreads and people come to hear the gospel. I usually catch the early morning news on Sundays at 6, channel 13, I'll turn that on. And when our beloved Indianapolis Colts are uh, having a home game, if you have ever watched the news on the morning of a home game, there's one question that the newscasters want to know, and it's a question that's directed usually at the meteorologist, and they will shoot the messenger if it's not what they want to hear, and do you know what that question is? Will the roof be open today? (laughs) Well, the roof over Lucas Oil Stadium, if you're visiting from out of town, our stadium in Indianapolis, the roof can slide open on a pretty day. If there's no rain threatening or if it's warm enough, they'll open that roof and you can actually look right up and it's pretty incredible. Well, today we're going to see a roof opening take place in mark the second chapter. Um, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of intentionality to get a friend closer to to Jesus. But that's what Christians friends do. The great thing that I feel really good about, the message that God has given me today, is this message should be applicable for every single one of us. Whether you are a kindergartner, an elementary age student, a high school student, a college student, home for Christmas break, you're an adult, you're a senior adult, what, whatever stage of life you're in, I want you to know that today's message is targeted right at you. Because all of us in our spheres of influence, we have people that need to get closer to Jesus. Amen? You know, he is the reason for the season. He is the answer. And there are a lot of questions. And whatever questions people have, Jesus is, I believe, the answer. He is as relevant today in 20, going into 2020, as he was uh, at at the time of his birth and life here on the earth. Jesus is the answer, and we have a society that is in desperate need for Jesus. You may have a friend who doesn't know him as his or her Lord and Savior, and you know what their deepest need is. You may have a friend who believes in the almighty, the man upstairs. They, they believe in the supernatural, but they have kind of a wishy-washy, soupy theology that's based on what they've seen on talk shows or read in the papers or seen on movies. And they don't seem to know how to connect, how to get close to Jesus, how to have a personal relationship with him, how to be born again into him and to grow in their faith and to follow him every day of their lives. Maybe that's a friend that you need to move closer to Jesus. Maybe it's somebody who was born again into Christ and had a sincere faith, but along the way they got hurt, they got burned. Either it was something that happened in their church family or it was a life experience in which they blamed God for it, but something put a wedge between them and Jesus. And you've gotten used to it because it's been that way for a few years or maybe the entire time that you've known him or her and you've tried to be a good friend and just mind your own business and not meddle in their affairs. But maybe today's message is for you that it's time for you to move your friend closer to Jesus. That it's time for you to look at whatever obstacles there are, whatever challenges stand in your way and you're going to say to yourself in 2020 failure is not an option. In 2020, I'm going to help so-and-so, whether it's a family member, a neighbor, a, a friend at school, a coworker, someone in your life who desperately needs to be closer to. You, and you're going to help that person get back to the savior they once knew and loved. And maybe it's just someone that's going through the motions in their faith. The fire that once burned bright has grown dim. They've been living Laodicean, if you will, like the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. They need to repent and do the things they did at first. They need to not forsake their first love. They need to get on fire for the gospel, to not just go through the motions, to not reduce their faith to a Sunday morning only check-in and check-out of church. Maybe that's a friend that you need to help get closer To Jesus takes a lot of effort takes a lot of intentionality to get a friend closer to Jesus but that's what Christian friends do in Mark chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 it says a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum the people heard that he had come home and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door and he preached the word to them, <laughs> interesting and ironic, isn't it? When Jesus was born, there was no room for him in the inn. <laughs> now, when he comes to town, there's no room for anyone else because the crowds have had so come around to hear him. This was a packed house. Now, it was fairly common in this time period for people to not only gather inside of a home but kind of around the home for fellowship. The windows. There was probably no glass. You have just an opening, letting air come through in this dry desert kind of air, and people would kind of gather around. They'd kind of lean on the window seal and be a part of the conversation, and that was true in this story as well. I picture it to almost be like a church camp. You know how sometimes you have an open-air kind of shelter house? It kind of serves as an outdoor uh, church service building. And that's kind of what we have here now. Yeah, there were walls in probably this home, but there were open doors, open windows, and people would just kind of gather in the front lawn to hear Jesus. And they would gather along the sides of the house, and they would cry. I picture this to be a huge mob. So many people that they're just trying to get close enough to at least hear what he is saying, to hear the questions that are being posed to him and his responses to those questions. First thing that I notice in Mark chapter 2, is that we need to do whatever it takes to get a friend closer to Jesus in 2020. If you're taking notes today, you might write down to yourself so that you can look back on December the 29th, 2019, last last weekend of the decade, and write yourself a note. I will do whatever it takes in 2020 to get a friend closer to Jesus. And if your notes can be secure enough, I would encourage you to write down the name of this friend. (laughs) Make it an extra challenge for yourself maybe it's not a new friend or new acquaintance but it's someone that you've bought into the obstacle that they can't be reached who is that person in mark chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 it says this some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them Since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. They remind me of uh, the kid who was playing in a sandlot baseball game. He was playing third base and an onlooker walked up and said, what's the score? (laughs) The kid uh, pounded his glove and he said, 42 to 0, their favor. (laughs) The man said, whoa. You're getting beat pretty bad, huh? The kid looked up and said, with a smile, nope, we ain't been up to bat yet. <laughs> You're feeling down and out. You feel like, hey, there's no way that I, this person is in such a dark place, there's no way I can reach my friend. This person it has made such poor choices and they've gotten themselves into so much trouble, there's no way that I can reach him or reach her. I want you to know that that is, as you say, hogwash, <laughs> That's what Satan is whispering in your ear and in your heart, trying to distract you and to make you think that you can't turn this thing around and win this person to Jesus. Here's some things that I wonder. What the homeowner think? <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, first of all, there's this huge crowd. And yeah, maybe there's a certain element of pride. Hey, this is my house. I get to be the host of this. Jesus chose my home to give this great message and answer these questions. Got a little town hall meeting going on right here in my living room. It's pretty special. Or maybe it was just the opposite. Maybe, why my home? (laughs) Why this destruction taking place here? And then, as Jesus is teaching, all of a sudden, dust starts to fall from the grassy, thatchy roof up above. And then, all of a sudden, light pierces through the, the darkened room that was being illuminated only by light indirect lighting coming through the the windows and the door now suddenly as the roof is peeled apart and pulled apart as they've dug through it the greek word means they were breaking it apart they were tearing through it and suddenly light comes through it how disruptive was this for the crowds (laughs) hanging on every word that jesus was saying until all of a sudden whoa what's that what's going on i got something in my eye Did Jesus keep teaching or did he stop up and look? Did he stop and look up with everyone else? Did the man on the pallet come down evenly or unevenly? Those may seem like silly details to you, but you're not the man on the pallet. We're told that four friends brought him to Jesus. I picture it to be a hard pallet of of a sort and it didn't have wheels necessarily. I'm picturing them. They're carrying uh, one on, but there are four of them. So I'm picturing a friend on each corner of, of this pallet, this mat. And as he's riding along, it says he's a paralyzed man. I'm assuming he still had a sense of balance about himself, but he had no ability to reach out perhaps and grab hold of, of the pallet and to sturdy himself. But this is desperate, Right? We've heard great things about Jesus. If we can just get you to him, I know he can do something to change your life. And so they carry their friend to Jesus. But when they get there, they realize, oops, we should have left sooner. My goodness, what a, what a big, big crowd. What can we do? We can't fit this cot through the door. We can't push our way through the crowd. He's already teaching. And then one of them gets an idea and points up to the top, the roof. Probably a flat roof, which was common in this time period. Sometimes there would be a staircase that would go up to the top of the roof, and they would use their roofs almost like we use a patio or a deck today. It was extra living space. It was the family den, so to speak. It was a place where a lot of times men and their guests would go up and just talk while a meal was being prepared. And here they are. (laughs) making their way up this cot with their friend. Was it uneasy? Was it uneven? Was he scared? I won't even ask, was it awkward? <coughs> I think we all know the answer to that question. But they aren't concerned about the expense or the damage. Desperate faith leads people to do desperate things. Only Their only thought is getting their friend to Jesus. Do whatever it takes to get a friend closer to Jesus in 20 these friends could have easily come up with several excuses as to why it was too hard to get their friend to jesus their families probably wanted to come hear jesus together right and that one of the the obstacles that we we face sometimes the best church attendance days of the year when your friends are the most likely to say yes to your invitation we are so busy easter sunday right we got a, a meal to prepare, or some place to get to. We think about Christmas Eve, and, and we've got so many things to do, and, and 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 we're always so busy, and life's on fast forward. Sometimes I feel like I'm galloping on a horse, and my horse is on a treadmill mill, just keep going faster, like a hamster on a hamster wheel. It'd be too awkward to get whatever kind of pallet their friend was on into the home. They could have seen the crowd and said, "Well, that's that. We should have come earlier." I typed up these excuses myself, and when I came up with that one, they say for every finger you point, you've got, uh, what, three pointing back at yourself? Yeah, because I thought that would have probably been mine. Well, should have come sooner. Maybe next time he's in town speaking. (laughs) Well, want to go get something to eat? (laughs) Defeat. (laughs) Look at that crowd. I couldn't get through there if it was just me by myself not carrying a pallet. Sorry, friend. <laughs> Maybe next time. I'm going to guess there was criticism when others saw them. What do you guys think you're doing? At least one of the four of them might have been afraid of heights <laughs> or not good at climbing. And there was the destruction to the roof in the home. This was radical. Make no mistake about it. I don't care if it was in uh, you know, 30 AD <laughs> or 2000. 20, A.D. 2020, I'm going to tell you it's awkward no matter when it happens, and distri- dist- it, is, it is radical. Do you use excuses as to why you can't get a friend closer to Jesus? Maybe you don't want to offend a friend. Uh, maybe you're not allowed to talk about Jesus where you work. The old standby, I don't know enough <laughs> about Jesus to share my faith. Well, when will you know enough, right? It's a pretty simple story. Someone has written out the entire gospel using one-syllable words. Basically, God made us in his image, but we have chosen to sin. Sin separates us from our perfect God. None of us is, is perfect. None of us is holy. None of us is good enough. None of us could save anyone else, so God sent his son to the earth. Merry Christmas. He lived among us for 33 years he died on the cross, he rose from the grave three days later, he returned to the Father after many convincing proofs, I mean many, many, the secular historians re- report all kinds of appearances of Jesus, and then he, he returns to heaven and he's promised to come again 2,000 years later, and if you want to be born again into him, if you want to have your sins forgiven, Jesus Christ is the way. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus is the way, he is the answer we need to get our friends to. And you do know enough. I used to teach a class, a what we believe class, kind of a, a precursor to church membership. Uh, when I was on staff at Kingsway Christian Church and I would always open up by saying if I had to teach this entire class with just one word that word would be the word surrender (laughs) there is a God I'm not him I surrender and if you know enough to know that then you know where the beginning the starting point is You know the the Bible is God's Holy Spirit-inspired word. And once you're born again into him, the Holy Spirit given to you as a gift by God will do far more to transform your life than any self-help book you could possibly read. The roof would have been made of a composite of grasses and thatches, but they broke it up. They dug through it. They didn't look at the obstacles They wanted to get their friend closer to Jesus. The second thing I see in this passage is that we need to believe that Jesus can meet our friend's deepest need in 2020. Do whatever it takes to get a friend closer to Jesus in 2020 and realize, believe that Jesus can meet your friend's deepest need. Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 9 says this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking, (laughs) underline the word thinking, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. (laughs) Jesus knows our thoughts. Psalm 139 says that God knows your words before your tongue speaks them. (laughs) And verse 5 says that Jesus saw their faith. Not just the faith of the man on the mat, this story is far more, I think, about the, the, the four friends carrying him up there to get closer to Jesus. One preacher titled his sermon on this passage, The Man with Ten Feet. <laughs> the Man with Ten Feet. Oh, you might have thought he had negative two. No, he had, he had ten because he had four friends getting him to Jesus. The man and his friends went to all the effort because in, they were in hopes of a physical healing perhaps, but what he really needed was to have his sins forgiven, and that was the nature of this gathering. I said, I wonder if Jesus was distracted, you know, did he look up when, when the roof opened up? Nothing comes as a surprise to him, so we know he wasn't caught off guard, and he immediately seizes the opportunity to use this visual aid as a powerful illustration Regardless of what the man came there wanting, a handout, a physical healing, mental encouragement, Jesus knew his greatest need was to have the forgiveness of his sins, and he knew what that was going to mean to the people. Who alone but God himself can forgive sins? And Jesus says, what's easier to say to the man? Your sins are forgiven, or in the name of Jesus, get up, or, or get up and walk. And in his own name, they, the man on the mat gets up and walks. There were probably hundreds of sick and weak people in Galilee, but these four men concentrated on just one. (laughs) Sometimes we aim at everyone and we win no one. That's what I mean about it takes intentionality. Because if you get specific and you've got a name in mind, it's not that everybody else doesn't matter, but if each one of us would each focus on one person, do you know what that would be like at the end of 2020? When we meet in here in December of 2020, we would have a great celebration. We would be able to say, wow, can you believe that nearly 400 people are worshiping here at Dover Christian Church? And when I say that, it seems far-fetched. It's a goal too big. But if I say all I want you to do in 2020 is reach one person, We'd say, where's his faith? Where's his vision? 365 days, you want me to just reach one person? You want each family to reach one family? One household to reach one household? Come on, Sean. This is serious stuff. You've made this sound like a desperate call, and now you're limiting it to just one person the whole year? Yes, but if each one would reach one, right? And if we'd each one do our part, if we each one heard the rally cry and we believed it in our hearts and we got intentional about it and we began to think in terms of not just people but a specific person, God could do amazing things through this church. And I believe that he can. And I believe that people matter to God. And I believe that he has what they need. We have a lot of teachers in our congregation and those who work uh, in the school system, and you know the hurts and the needs that people have today. My wife's a therapist, and she never shares with me specifics of what goes on, but I know that the burden is huge that people are carrying around today, and Jesus is the answer that they so desperately need Jesus can change things the Bible says the paralyzed man was carried by four of them they teamed up for their friend they did as a team what none of them could have done individually and can you imagine one of the friends trying to carry this man all by himself Two or three might have been able to do it, but four of them teamed up to do it. Dover Christian Church is a great church. (laughs) I always enjoy getting to tell people about Dover that haven't heard me tell about Dover yet. Because we get used to things, used to blessings that we have, and we start taking them for granted. And we don't realize sometimes what a great congregation this is and the great things that God is doing here and around the world. And when we start telling people about it, it's like, wow, this is amazing. I used to call them Dover surprises. Because when I was new here, there were so many surprises. And I'd be like, wow, you mean we have a group that travels to Ethiopia every year? A small rural country church? How is that possible? And and I would hear about the things that students in our congregation were accomplishing and doing. and, And when I became friends with our college students on social media, I began to see that when they leave here, they don't necessarily abandon their faith like a lot of young adults do. Instead, they own their faith. And they're going on mission trips. And they're active and in leadership in the churches that they choose to attend while they're away at college. It's phenomenal. Christmas Eve, every year, we have Priya and Ambika up here playing harps for us. These girls play their harps internationally. And they're so humble about it. They never brag about it. And we get so used to it. And when I tell people, when they say, does your church have a Christmas Eve service? And I say yes. And I begin to tell them what we're having in our service. They're like, you have real harps in your church for Christmas Eve? Where do you get them? (laughs) One year we had one of our first super Saturdays that we had out here, which is our version of Vacation Bible School. Our son Lincoln had a friend of his who volunteers in a very large church who was here that day. And at the end of the day, he was blown away. Because some of the people that were in leadership here that day, he thought we had hired and brought in from like an outside uh, consulting group that maybe provides ministry for for kids. I'm like, no, they go to our church. Really? (laughs) We're so blessed. And I could go on and on and on about how God has blessed this church. We are uniquely blessed, and I believe, for a time such as this. Jesus did not tell them to stop. Finally, be determined to win a friend to Jesus in 2020. Realize and believe that Jesus is able to change them in 2020. And finally, expect to be amazed beyond what you have ever seen in 2020. I said, if you're writing notes, write yourself a note. I expect to be amazed by what God does in 2020. (laughs) I expect to be amazed. He is the same God. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the same God who parted the Red Sea is still on the throne. The same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that started and and set the new church on fire of the New Testament is still the Holy Spirit that fills our hearts today. And God can do immeasurably more than all we can begin to think or imagine. Here's how this story wraps up. Mark chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 says this. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 12, it's just so simple. I'm like, there's nothing simple about this, but it just reads so matter of fact. So it says, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Everybody say that with me. We have never seen anything like this. One more time. We have never seen anything like this. Would you love to be able to say that at the end of 2020? We have never seen anything like this. Our same God is still on the throne today. Jesus is still the Savior of man. And the Holy Spirit is still equipping us. And we are around fields that are ripe unto harvest. You got friends who need to get closer to Jesus. And it can happen. Because the power's not in you. (laughs) Power is not in me. Power is in the gospel. It is in the gospel to transform the lives of of people who need change. Um, Charles Spurgeon is remembered as being one of the greatest preachers of all time. He was the pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London in the 19th century. Most experts agree that there was a particular sermon that Spurgeon preached in 1887 that caused the congregation to explode with growth. Many called it the turning point in the life of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. You know what the sermon was? It was taken from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the same passage we've looked at today. The title of his message was Sitting By. (laughs) Sitting By. He preached about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were content to just sit by as Jesus was performing this miracle. He applied it to the Christians who are satisfied to always be just sitting by. He described an entire category of church attendees who were basically good for nothing all they did was take up space Spurgeon boldly told those Christians who were content to just sit by never to return because they were only in the Lord's way he said can you imagine (laughs) that sermon had to have such a great impact on the people though Because throughout the next week, hundreds of members of his church expressed to him that they were no longer going to be just sitting by, that they would become like the four friends who brought someone to Jesus. When Spurgeon arrived the next Sunday, he was prepared, he was not prepared, rather, for what he found. It was as if every member of his church had brought someone who needed Jesus. Hundreds were led to Christ that day, and it began a spiritual awakening, not just for the Metropolitan Tabernacle, but for all of London and it lasted for many years. What do you think would happen if our church, if everyone from our church reached just one person in 2020 for Christ? Think of what God could do. I don't know who you identify best with in this story. If you see yourself as one of the four friends carrying the the pallet and you realize, "Hey, I need to be that friend for someone." If you see yourself as the person on the pallet who needs sins forgiven, who needs the the ultimate healing that only Jesus can give, do you see yourself as the crowd, the onlookers that day? Maybe you need revived. You need to to grasp the reality of this this story and apply it in your life. Whatever decision you have today, this this morning here at Dover Christian Church, as we do every Sunday, we're going to give you an opportunity to make a decision. For some, right where you are, you'll want to commit to getting someone closer to Jesus in 2020. Who is that person? And if you're not already born again into him, uh, I would be negligent today if I didn't say, don't put that off till a, a mythical tomorrow that you don't really know whether or not you have. Make today the day of salvation. Pray with me. Father God. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, your son. We thank you, Lord, for his amazing love. Thank you, God, that you sent him to this earth. God, that Christmas is far uh, more about our salvation and about our Savior being here on the earth than it is about wrapping paper and bright lights and beautiful music, though, God, we enjoy all of those things and the food and the desserts and the candy. And the smile on kids' faces, it is, a, it is truly a magical time of the year. But God, the celebration is all about you. It's all about Jesus, your son. So have your way in this Christmas season here at Dover Christian Church. We pray it in Jesus' name.